Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. You know, I don't know um, if... Actually, you know what? I think that everyone's probably heard this said before. Um, Has anyone ever heard someone say, as you get older, time goes faster? Yeah, hands up if you've heard that before. And hands up if you've said that before. Yeah, cool. So this might seem rich coming from me because I know that I don't seem very old. You're right, I'm only 25 years old. I have hopefully many years of my life to go. But this is something that I felt like was always said to me when I was younger. And people would always say, as you get older, time goes faster. I now, at 25 years of age, and for a few years, to be honest, I have heard uh, myself say this many times. As I'm getting older, time seems to be getting faster, and I actually don't understand how it's supposed to keep getting faster from this point, because it seems like you blink and the year is gone. We're already at Easter next week. I can't believe it. And so time is going faster, but I've noticed this thing, right? As (laughs) time is going faster, I am getting more impatient. I don't know if I'm the only one, but it seems like with everything speeding up now, phones and all these things speeding up, I get impatient. And this really came to light for me on Friday. I was making myself a cup of tea. And as I was standing there waiting for the kettle to boil, I think five seconds had passed before I was thinking, how long is this thing going to take? Like, hurry up. I can't even wait for for the kettle to boil. In fact, full admission, I didn't wait for the kettle to boil. I poured my cup of tea before it was ready and my cup of tea was quite cold very quickly because I was so impatient and I don't know what you guys might be impatient with. I don't know if it's waiting for payday or, um, you know, there are different things that we have to wait for in our lives and some of these might be very short time frames like boiling the kettle um, and some of these might be longer time frames like Dear Pastor Gabby Goulet over there waiting to have her child, you know, pregnancy, you know, mums by the end I hear are saying, get this child out, please. Like this waiting time is ready to be done. So, you know, there are different things that we wait for in our life and there are different um, waiting periods that we might have. And maybe for you, you're waiting on a promise from God. Maybe there's something that you feel like you've been promised and you're still waiting for that. But I tell you what, some people who knew what waiting was like, was the Jewish people. We are not going to head to the scripture yet, but in a minute we're going to be looking at um, a scripture about when Jesus enters Jerusalem before um, the final events leading to his death. And, you know, this event was actually prophesied about four to 500 years earlier in Zechariah um, 9, verse 9 to 10, if you wanted to have a look at it in your own time. They talk about this coming of the king and how he'll come on a donkey. And they talk about this moment, but it wasn't until four to five hundred years later that this actually happened. The Jewish people knew what it was like to wait on a promise from God. And so we're going to have a look at that scripture now in Matthew 21, verse 1 to 11. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. 
Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. You know, as Jesus entered this place, he was, there was, it was full of praise. And the event that we're talking about, we know as Palm Sunday, which is crazy because Easter is coming up next week. And I don't know how we've got to that time of year already. But, you know, before that, Jesus had entered in Jerus- into Jerusalem surrounded by praise, people calling out his name, calling him out to be king. You see, when they put the cloaks on the road, that was actually them, a sign of them submitting to Jesus as king. When they put the palm branches down, that was actually a sign of um, Jewish nationalism and victory. So that was them calling victory in that situation. They, they, you know, they called him the son of David. And what that meant for them was them saying, he is the Messiah that has come, the son of David, the one from the line of David that's the Messiah that's been prophesied about. He came in with praise, with people, with people, you know, securing his identity and who he was. And we know that before long there was conflict around his identity and, um, you know, that led to all the events that led up to his death. And, and we know that looking back now, but in this moment it was full of praise. And, you know, when we look at this scripture, I think that it paints such an important picture of Jesus. It paints a portrait of who he is. You see, he's king and he is worthy of all of our praise. He has all authority, but it also shows us something else. It also reveals something else really important about his character. I don't know if anyone um, here has noticed, or maybe it's just me, but God doesn't always do what we expect, right? He doesn't always do things the way that we expect. You see, God isn't in the business of meeting our expectations, but he exceeds them. He absolutely exceeds them. And here he is, this grand entry. Yeah, this grand entry into Jerusalem. This is his triumphant entry. And they, you know, from looking into what commentaries say, they say that at the time it's actually likely that they were expecting their Messiah to come on something more like a war horse, something powerful, something that made a stand as part of this grand entry. And here's Jesus on a donkey. He comes on a donkey. And here we have, have a great picture now of a donkey. I like to picture Jesus on this donkey. Um, you know, as he, as he comes in to Jerusalem. You see, the people of the time, their expectations, they had a human mindset and not a kingdom one. But Jesus was all about the kingdom. But we have to ask ourselves, why a donkey? Why the donkey? You know, I don't think that Jesus just happened to be tired that day. Usually we hear of Jesus traveling on foot. I don't think that um, he just decided that he was over it. And so he was like, oh, well, near the end, I may as well just jump on a donkey. I don't think that's what happened. I don't think that he was hanging out with the disciples, playing some basketball and rolled his ankle. Um, I don't think that, you know, it was a mistake that he came on a donkey. I, I think that it was very intentional. And I think that what it shows to us, what it reveals to us about his character is that he was humble. Jesus had an attitude of humility and this passage reveals that to us, that despite his royal blood, you know, we call him the king of kings, he's royal, he's royal in the kingdom and despite that, he wore an attitude of humility. You see, Jesus knew who he was and he knew who he belonged to. 
Um, I would like everyone here to know, just a public statement, I did not watch a single episode of Maths. Now, if you don't know what Maths is, it's Married at First Sight, it's um, recently finished. In fact, I heard that there were more viewers for the final of Maths than there was for the AFL Grand Final. That is what has happened to Australia in this time. And I hear down here it's an outrage. And you know what? I actually agree. Now, I did not, I did not listen. I, know I work in a very female-dominated profession as an occupational therapist. And, you know, I, I still managed no maths. But this thing happened the other night and my, um, my housemate, she had made dinner. And what she often does just for some downtime, she makes a dinner and then she, she'll sit in front of the TV just for a little bit of time. And so I made my dinner at the same time. So I thought, oh, I'll just go sit down with her. And what should come on but Bachelor in Paradise? <laughs> Now, they tee it up very nicely as maths ends, Bachelor in Paradise begins. Now, if you haven't heard of Bachelor in Paradise before, um, the way that it works is instead of having the one guy and all the girls or the one girl and all the guys, um, they actually just get all the failed past contestants that haven't been <laughs> successful. They bring them into one place and they think, well, maybe they'll couple up. So they bring them in and then they pretty much say, see who is going to be drawn to each other and I don't even know how they win the show, but that's all that I've seen so far. So this comes on, and I knew as soon as it came on, my two hours was set. Like, I was done. It's very addictive, not going to lie. But this thing happened in this episode, right? And I found it really interesting because I think it, it is a key way that sometimes we can think in society. This girl um, who is confessing her love for this uh, man that she met less than 24 hours prior, um, she says to him, she says, you know... I just feel like you use a lot of self-deprecating language and I just find that a really attractive quality in a guy. <laughs> My housemate and I looked at each other in disbelief, not really knowing what to do. We decided to laugh because we had no idea what else we could do in that moment because it was so ridiculous. But you know what? So often I feel like we can link insecurity and humility to the same. So often what happens and what I think has happened in this moment and just for your ears guys I'm gonna swap this over yep great oh there we go more talk less fuzz that's nice um so what we can do sometimes is and what I think this girl is doing is we can mistake insecurity for humility you know I don't know if you have people in your life where they're always putting themselves down and sometimes it can almost seem comical sometimes it's like oh yeah they know how to not take themselves too seriously it's a very different thing to not take yourself too seriously and put yourself down and sometimes people I feel like they put themselves down and we laugh at it but really it's a red flag to insecurity and, you know, I don't know if you've tried to give a compliment to someone sometimes. Sometimes giving compliments has become so hard because you try to compliment someone and they say, oh, no, 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 oh, but you're this. Or, oh, thanks, I don't know about that. And it's almost as though we need to show this sign of insecurity to make people think that we're humble. You see, confidence isn't pride. In fact, I think that insecurity is a lot closer linked to pride than confidence is. I think it actually comes from the same DNA. They're very close relatives, insecurity and pride, because both of them come from a root of not trusting in God and being self-reliant instead. And so I think that humility is not based out of insecurity. In fact, when we look at um, the original language that was used for this word humble, it actually suggests that it's the opposite of insecurity. 
See, the original language actually translates more closely to a word called meekness. And you find in the Bible this word, it sometimes is translated as meekness, it's sometimes gentleness, and it's sometimes humility. And when we look at what this word actually means, it talks about having a disposition, a character and a mind towards God where we accept his dealings with us, the way that we interact with him, what he wants to do through our lives and what he's doing in our life. We accept that as good. And we accept that without disputing it without refusing it and we can rely solely on him you see the root of this word like the root of um, meekness is actually trusting in God it's actually not self-reliant it's not self-assertive at all and it's not resisting him but it's just trusting that he has control of the situation that we're in You see, it's a work of the spirit and not of human will. And in um, Galatians 5.23, it talks about gentleness being a fruit of the spirit. And it's actually that same word that's used. It's a fruit of the spirit that we see that Jesus is is outworking. It says in Matthew 5.5, it says, Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. It's the same, it's that same attitude of humility. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. You see, I think that Jesus actually displays the the greatest sign of meekness when he died on the cross. You see, we have such an incredible God. And um, if you're not Christian here today, I am so glad that you're here. Um, what we believe is that we have a God that sent his son and he, Jesus, he came to earth, he lived a perfect life and then he died on the cross for our for us, for our sins in our place. And that's something that we didn't earn, but through his grace, we are saved. And the Bible says that we are a royal priesthood. The Bible says that we are heirs of Christ. And what that means for you and for me is that we have a secure identity in who we are, who we belong to. We are heirs of Christ. We've been adopted into his family. And there's nothing you can do to earn that. But our God is so good that he sent his son. He paid that price that we would be royal that we would have royal blood as he does. And, and that is, it is an incredible thing and an incredible reality to live out of. You see, Jesus, he was king above all kings. He's the name above all names, all power, all authority. But he wore a crown of humility. He wore a crown of meekness on the cross for you and he wore it for me. Jesus wasn't humble out of insecurity. He was humble out of a place of security. You see, Jesus could wear his humility because he knew his identity. And even in the peak, even as people were praising his name, that di- it's not like that went to his head. It didn't build into Jesus' ego. You know, even in the peak, he knew who he was, he knew who he belonged to, and he wore that with humility. And he didn't need to get that from anywhere else. You know, I believe that he was able to do that in such a way because he wasn't trying to please anyone else he was only trying to please God you see Jesus intention was never to please man it was to please God and you know I think naturally in life to be honest and please don't use this against me but in life I'm naturally a people pleaser I absolutely I like to keep people happy and that's not a bad thing in itself you know I think it it generally comes from a good place we want to keep people happy I had to learn very early in life that we can't always please everyone it's not going to happen people are people but naturally I I do like to keep people happy and this became really um really apparent for me in grade three when I had my first boyfriend now in grade three everyone it's deep grade three relationships the trials of a grade three student it's it's rough right so what happened was my friend she liked this boy in our class and the boy in our class had a friend 
who apparently liked me. Now, my friend, of course, wanted to date this boy. And so what, the, what he had said was, well, I will date you if Ruth dates my friend. So all of a sudden, my friend's little relationship that she wanted became my problem, right? And I remember as a grade three, I remember this quite clearly. I remember processing in my mind going, but it's not what I want, but she wants to do that. And then she's going to be upset and she's nagging me and I want her to stop asking me because it's getting really annoying. So I want her to stop asking me. So fine, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, I mean, the boy that she dated um, broke up with her about maybe 30 minutes later. I didn't have the heart to break up with the other boy because then I thought I'd make him feel bad. But two weeks later when my heart was broken, I realised that we can never compromise our own values to please other people. And I remember I actually carried that lesson all the way through my life because I remember that moment where I realised that by pleasing other people, I had compromised what I thought to be true for myself and I wasn't willing to do that. You see, this happens all throughout the Bible where people try to please people. And we read in John 12 about, you know, some of the Jewish leaders that actually did believe in Jesus, but they were trying to please the wrong people. They were so scared of um, what would be thought of them by the other Jewish leaders that they they couldn't even admit to that. We read in um, Galatians 2, and um, if you're at Heart and Soul the other week, Pastor Ben actually preached a great message on this. Um, but he was talking about when Peter, he was sitting with the Gentiles, he was eating with them. And then people come in from the circumcision party. What a party. Um, and if, you, if you're not familiar um, with the story, um, the reason that these people were um, fond of circumcision is because they believed in um, what was in the old covenant, that um, you know, a spilling of the blood was a seal on the covenant. So they believed in that. So they still held that to be true. But when Jesus died on the cross, the old covenant was gone and the new one's in. And Peter, whilst he believed that, He wanted to please the Jewish people that were part of the circumcision party. And so he wanted to please those people. But the thing is, he was trying to please the wrong people. In Galatians 1.10, it says this, and I'm going to get it up for you, but it will come up on the screen behind me. It says, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, it's one or the other. We can't pick and choose. It's one or the other. And, you know, one of these brings freedom and one of them brings chains. And it's funny because so often we seem to to choose the one that brings chains instead of freedom. You know, when we try to please people, we can never please everyone. And it ends up binding us in chains when Jesus has died a death for us on the cross that we could have freedom. You see, humility was the attitude of Christ and it's to be our attitude as well. In Philippians um, 2, it says this. It says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. For though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Humility was the attitude of Christ and it's we're called for it to be our attitude as well. You see, we are heirs of Christ and royalty with a kingdom mindset means wearing that humility because we know who we are and we know who we belong to and there is such power when we live in that place. You see, we're called to continue to live in that, to live out with intention and purpose. As they lifted up His name and as they gave Him praise, you know, they were, they were calling out His name, they were praising Him, but there's something else that they said. They said, Hosanna. Hosanna as translates to save us. You know, I find this interesting because they weren't just praising Him, but they were actually calling out for deliverance. They were calling out for what He was about to do for them. And, you know, Jesus came in on a donkey and it was, you know, it was fulfilling the prophecy and it was a sign of humility, but the message was actually greater than that still. See, maybe they might have thought that it was more appropriate that he come on a war horse, but if he did, it would have sent a very different message because when he came in riding on a donkey, that was actually a sign of peace. That was a sign of peace because God's plan was always to come and rule with peace and grace in the minds of hearts, in the minds and hearts of men and women. So we see that God came in on a donkey because he was, he was in a sign of peace. You see, it displayed so much of the, the character of our kingdom that this was always his plan. He was a humble king who came to serve and through that he was able to save. And, you know, if serving isn't above him, how can we put it below us? If Jesus didn't show humility towards God, meekness towards God, we probably wouldn't be saved right now because he wouldn't have gone to that cross. You see, I wonder sometimes when we don't wear this attitude of humility and, and knowing our security and our identity, I wonder sometimes how is God unable to move through us if we, you know, how is God going to be able to move through us if we can't show that attitude? Because if Jesus didn't, we would be in a very different position today. You see, I think at the time the leaders probably wanted a fix-it Jesus. I like to call him fix-it Jesus where, you know, we see a short-term solution and we want him for that moment. I think that at the time they had political issues and things that they wanted help with and they wanted this Messiah for the short term. They saw short-term goals. But Jesus, he thinks long-term. And so often in our lives, we can look for our fix-it Jesus. But just remember the plan is so much bigger than that. The plan goes so far beyond that. But his plan is always to rule with peace and grace in your heart and in your mind. See, royal blood was shed for you and it was shed for me. And worthiness isn't, you know, he made us worthy, but that's not tied to a moral standing. It's tied to our willingness just to accept the grace that he's given us, to accept his grace in our lives. And, you know, we, we are heirs, we have royal blood. And God, in the end, at the end of the day, he's actually fulfilled that promise to our greatest issue. Our greatest issue is sin. Our biggest problem is sin. And regardless of circumstance or what's going on in your life at the moment, that doesn't change. God has still, God has still fulfilled His promise in that. And He is still there for you, there to, re- to reign with peace and grace in your heart and in your mind. You know, I'm so looking forward to Easter to be able to reflect more on what God has done and to be able to celebrate um, what He's done for us. I'm so excited to do that next week. Um, But today I want us to remember that royal blood actually comes with the responsibility to have an attitude of humility. We, as heirs of Christ, we have a responsibility to have that attitude of humility towards others, but towards God. Christ did it knowing who He was and who He belonged to because He lived to please God. 
not man. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.